Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Let me say this to you. Don't forget what I shared with you during the watch night service. That sometimes the prophecy for preservation is stay indoors, shut your doors, put the blood on your lintel, because that will be your only security. He says, When I see the blood, I will pass over. Because the plague in the city will be so great, so massive, that just the fact that you know God might not be enough. There are instructions for the season. I'm saying that for a reason. There is a pandemic. Alright? And when you read through the Bible, you see that it is true that if you drink any deadly thing, it will harm you. And that you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But in some certain situations, there are specific instructions for the season. Do you understand? And so in a service like this, don't feel like you lack faith when you take precautionary measures. I asked your pastor to tell you, till further notice, our services will be no contact services. So no shake your neighbor, no high fives. Do you understand? It's just wisdom. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm sure I don't look like a scared person to you. I flow with the spirit. When I flow with the spirit, I can lay hands on anybody, even someone with coronavirus. I can, because the Bible says I shall lay hands on the sick, they will recover. I didn't say I will contract the sickness. He said the sick will be healed. Do you understand? But there is something called the supply of the spirit. There are some things you don't just do by sheer bravery, you do by the leading of the Holy Ghost. I get what I'm saying. So, I'm telling you this because that's what the Lord has told me. The prayers for this plague to just disappear. I'm sure by now, <laughs> you know, it will save his time. It will. Turn your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. I want to show you something very important. Hebrews 6, 12. Are you there? Please read together. One, two, go. It says, don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. It said, follow. Follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Can I tell you something? In our kingdom, you don't just celebrate people who are doing great, who are prospering in the will of God. You follow. Because in the realm of the spirit, the progress of others is God's system of education. Did you hear what I said? We learn from others. God has ordained that the progress of others will be replicable. The divine order. It will be replicable. I've told you this so many times that when God wants to create the entire human race, He makes one man. From that man, He takes a rib, makes a woman. And those two people, by procreation, birth the entire human race. That means in the realm of the spirit, what God does in one is supposed to have a generational impact. Are you getting what I'm saying? By seeing Jesus walk on water, it's supposed to stir and kindle something within you. A desire to do same. In our realm, eyes are not for mere observation. Through the eyes, possibilities are replicated. Replicable. The day you see Jesus walk on water, it changes your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So I'm saying all of that to say this. God's corporate destiny and God's individual destinies are intertwined. You have to understand this. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, in bondage, God's corporate destiny was to bring them out with a powerful hand, establish them in the promised land to worship. And what was going to be the system of worship in that day, they were going to establish a temple. And they were going to worship in that temple. Where was the money to build the temple going to come from? Was it going to fall from the sky? Was there going to be a divine bank account that would just be credited every day? No, it didn't happen that day, that way. What was God's strategy through individuals? He said, I will bring your, your people out of Egypt with plenty. They had so much as individuals, by individual favor. God can favor individuals for a corporate agenda. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the reality of the situation is, and that's I, I said all of that to say this. So when you see what God is doing through your local church, for instance, and you belong to that local church, you should expect that some progress and success will come your way just because of what God is doing corporately. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must expect it. So you don't just look at the church and say, oh, wow, that's great. Something is supposed to happen in your own life. You know, one of the most humbling things I get to see is when people will be posted on social media and say things like, this. I got a lot of that late last year. They say things like, joining Celebration Church was the best thing that happened to me this year. And I'm looking like, you're not exaggerating, like, you mean best thing? Best thing? And people talk about how their lives changed. One of my strongest sons in Lagos, you know, he's, when he told me this, I didn't believe. He said, my first day in church, I was high. I said, you. You with the blast consonant tongues. You know, there are vowels and consonants. <laughs> there are some consonants. That, you know, tongue crack. You know? I said, you. And he talked about how God changed his life. Now he has received ministry. Great. If I... It's just that I don't have permission. If I show you who he is, you'll be amazed. You will never tell. Hallelujah. And I look at what God is doing in Lekki. After one month of the Lekki church plants, it was 300 members strong. I think about Lekki, I think about mainland, I think about Abuja. I think about Canada. I think about Potakot. Now I think about Ibadan. And this is the point. This is the part that concerns you. And I'll ask myself a question. What if I said no to God? What if? Because can I tell you something? We have a tendency to feel that people who are obeying God are obeying God because things were easier for them. It's a coping mechanism. When we see people doing well, we have a propensity to excuse their successes. It's Father helping. It's not because it's not because it's a coping coping mechanism. So that we will not feel But then the Bible humbles you and said Elijah was a man like you. You don't understand what I'm saying? So, if you don't decide to obey God, it's because you chose not to. This is so important. So, don't think I also did not have valid excuses. When God told me to come to Abuja, my, my marriage was new. I had a young daughter. I didn't know you guys would show up. 
If you guys don't show up, will, will this be the first church to have venue and nobody came? <laughs> and then some things, you know, some hidden insecurities that you don't expect someone as spiritual as I am to have, but they are there. Like, you set up a branch in Lagos. At that time, it was 300, 350 strong thereabouts. And then you go elsewhere to start again. You send your son to Lagos. Then what if this one does not pick up? So, General Vasya will now be mockery. General Vasya, 12 people. <laughs> 20 people. Where's the headquarters of the ministry? <laughs> This is the headquarters. <laughs> Hallelujah. What about private personal concerns? Because the fact that your tongue speaking does not mean you won't pay house rent. Your children, you know, tongues is edifying, but not in the stomach. You know, they are going to have to eat food. You left all this. I don't know if I told you this. The time I left for Abuja, someone had just gifted me a house to live in five years without paying rent. And I had stayed there just two months. <laughs> I had stayed there just two months and then closet. <laughs> and guess what? You know, when someone gives you a house, you have already had savings for house rent. So they give you a house for free. So if there is money to do other things, bought a new diamond set, was changing wallpaper, God did not talk. Did they say anything? Then when I was done, stand up. Hallelujah. And when I came here, when I came here, the church couldn't even really afford to take good care of me. So I I I picked a house in a bush. Because I mean the kind of house I wanted, but the price I could afford, that's the only place I could get it. And so robbers came to my house. Are you aware? <laughs> in this Abuja. You know, I saw the miraculous hand of God and everything for some reason. The same robbers that in the neighbor's house, they beat everybody. Used the side of a cutlass to wake up the man, wake the man up. Slapped his daughters. Locked them up in a room. Took everything they had. The same guys. For some reason, they wouldn't even dare to ask me to kneel. They didn't touch me. I, I wanted more gymnastics. Like, I expected the moment I just opened the door, they would roll. It didn't really happen that way. It's okay. See, Paul was stoned. As Paul was stoned, you know, the stone did not, he didn't do kneel. Like, you know, it would have been cool, you know. It really happened that they stoned the man of God. <laughs> Many times, our perspective of miraculous is just is, is limited. So I'm telling you that they went into only one room. So my wife did not see them. My daughters did not see them. And that was my major concern. It would have been traumatic for them. Because I'm very brave. People don't know this. <laughs> I'm very, listen, when they were knocking the door, when they were trying to break through the door, I walked towards it. So as they opened the door, they saw me. I didn't hide. They didn't come. They didn't come to find me under the table and say, we can see. <laughs> That's not what happened. So I was there at the door. I said, you know. And then, yeah, did they take some things? Oh yeah, a lot of things. iPad. You know, that, that period I was preaching with just Bible and paper, you thought it was the, the move of the Spirit, like the world was so wrong. <laughs> like maybe an angel gave me scroll. <laughs> so I wanted, that was not why. 
and that period nobody knew. I think I told you six months after it happened. I still preached. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I said all of that to say this. You see, when Paul gives you his resume, all the things he went through in ministry, and he tells you imperials of, of thieves, of robbers, meaning Paul had the same threat for ministry. Whether you like it or not, if you want to travel from place to place, especially as a growing ministry, you can't have an airport, you can't have bodily, you can't have personal security. It's going to put your life at risk. It's, it is what it is. And it's telling you all the things that he went through, the times he was beaten, the times, you see, the times he had to fast, the times he suffered hunger. I remember one time in this Abuja, I was so broke, I almost put it on the workers group. Almost. I was, in, I was already on the WhatsApp group, like, about to type. I just asked my wife, I said, this is what I want to do. And she said, don't worry. You know, I've said it jokingly. The way God is blessing me now, if you are jealous, God may punish you. <laughs> You, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. But I said all of that to say this. We didn't come this far because anything was dropped on our laps. We came this far by holding on courageously to the prophecy the words that the Lord had spoken about us. And listen, I am here to challenge you to do the same. That's all, that's my task for today. Can I tell you something? Some, someone said something, the early part of this year, uh, I think January 1st, I got tagged in a post, and the person said, it's hard to follow Pastor Yiren and be mediocre. I found it as a serious compliment. Not because um, I like people to say nice things about me, but because it really matters to me that by the things you see God do in my life, you get inspired to also follow God's plan for your life. When other ministers reach out to me, a lot of them on my birthday said, by watching you, you prove that it is possible. That's how it's meant to be. In the realm of the spirit, success of others does not intimidate you. It inspires you. So that when you are Saul and you find yourself in a company of prophets, you also prophesy. It, if it is not replicable, it is not from God. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the experiences of others, Romans 15, and he says that we should learn from them. It says so that we through the patience and the comfort of scripture might have hope. So by the progress of others, hope must rise. Hope must rise. Hope must rise. So by one young boy, who, like every other person, went to school and could have just focused on his life. Can I tell you something? There are many other things I do very well. Hallelujah. Comparatively, if I was not preaching, I would very likely be richer than I am now. I'm telling you the honest truth. Believe it or not. Because there are many things I do well, and I'm one of the most driven human beings you ever find. Drive. <laughs> I remember when my wife was training me on rest. So she said, stay a day, don't do anything. So by 4 p.m., I asked her, I said, so I want to understand. And I was not being sarcastic, I really wanted to know. I said, so is this how people actually rest, that they will spend a day and not do anything? And say yes. You're supposed to be able to do a week like that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the balance I'm bringing to my life. So, I'm a very driven person, and there are a lot of things I do very well. 
Praise the Lord. I believe that, of course, by prophecy in the next 10 years, it will be different. The privileges I will have by then, nothing else I would have done, I mean, will bring that. That's just the nature of following God's plan for your life. But the reality of the situation is this. If I can look at the people that have been blessed directly by my obedience in eight years, and I just think, what if I said no? What if I said no? Our impact in the body of Christ in eight years, just separate, it might be small compared to where God is taking us. But just think about one man saying yes to God. Remove the six branches. Impact. Look at all the sons I've raised. Solid men of God. Look at Pastor Mayowa. He might not tell you this, and I wish I was saying this when he was present. The man is a very brilliant man and has knack for business also. So he was already doing something. And I said, the Lord said you should follow me. He said, I don't feel... <laughs> this man that you... One of my favorite Bible teachers in the world, Pastor Maya, top three. And I don't listen to many people. You know, he said, I don't feel like that's what I'm meant to do. I said, hey, you said I'm a spiritual father. Yes, I said, trust me. So it was persuasion. Are you getting what I'm saying? I mean, think about the pastors. Think about you guys. And now, the question I want to ask you is, who are you hindering by your fear? Who are you hindering by your hesitation? by your disobedience, by your reluctance to follow God's plan for your life. Who are you hindering? Who are, what, what are you depriving the body of Christ of? What are you depriving Nigeria of? What are you depriving the world of? God said this is the year of light. He said your impact will be felt. And that's what we're here to talk about. You, you have to take responsibility. No two ways about it. Let me explain something to you. Man has two destinies. We have a natural, biological destiny. Just by natural human proclivities. You have a natural human, biological destiny, and you have a spiritual destiny. The Bible calls the two men who are the, at the epicenter of this blessings of these destinies. He calls both of them Adam. So in the first Adam, the Bible says God blessed him. He and his wife, he and Eve. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. It's a blessing, a natural biological blessing. As long as you are a man, you can be fruitful. See, you don't need to be born again to be able to marry and have kids. Sex is not a new creation reality. It's not an in Christ reality. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, that's a natural blessing. Not just procreation. It says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. This is so important and so powerful. So, in the natural Adam, there is dominion. You don't need to be spiritual to dominate this earth. This is what some believers don't understand. I think it was just announced yesterday, Elon Musk, right? Richest man in the world. Think about he and Jeff Bezos, how much they've made in the past year. Those two alone. And they're not churchgoers. And listen, it does not invalidate your faith. It does not. God told all men to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. So it's a challenge to you that can I tell you something? 
just by sheer effort, you can make much of your life. Effort. Effort. Just deciding to apply yourself. Apply yourself. It's important. Let me tell you this. Let me quickly show it to you. Time is fast spent. But first Peter chapter 2 verse 9. As quickly as possible. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Everybody read this together. One, two, go. Alright, you know this, you know, you know the text. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Ah. So he has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And he said, show it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Meaning the light of your life is not metaphorical. <laughs> See, did you hear what I said? Yes, I am light and it can show. If it cannot show, if people cannot see it, it is not light. It says, show it. The light that God has made you can be seen. Please, are you getting this? The light that God has made you can be seen in a natural, practical context, not in a metaphorical context. Because sometimes you might get stuck up in that conundrum where in church you are made to declare, I'm the chosen generation, the royal priesthood. But then you resume at the office on Monday and you are intimidated by everything you see. Just the successes of others who don't even share your spiritual conviction. And so, light becomes a metaphor. It's not meant to be. If the light that you are is not evident, it is because there is something you are missing out. And I want to show it to you in simple terms. Let me give you a simple example. If I find myself in the U.S. and I have one billion naira cash, in the U.S. I have a lot of money. What I have is valuable. But if I'm going to go to a grocery shop and buy something, I'm going to have to exchange the currency. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And this is a problem a lot of Christians have. You have a lot of rich deposits in your spirits. But the transactional value, you have not mastered it. Ah. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When it comes to electricity, for instance, you cannot just tap high tension straight to your TV. There is something called a step-down transformer. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, power has a technology to make it applicable, to make it usable. Because you can have a lot of power in your spirit and be limited. For instance, this is the same thing that explains the gift of tongues, for instance. Tongues? Do you know how powerful tongues are? To speak a language that you never learned and to have a communication from your spirit to God. It's powerful. And he says if you speak in tongues and you give thanks in tongues, you are giving thanks well. He said, but your understanding is limited. Are you getting this? And this is a typical example of virtually all spiritual graces. How you can be so effective spiritually, but when it comes to the discernment of that value amongst men, he said, if you are in a place and there are unlearned men there and you speak in tongues, as valuable as those tongues are, they will say you are mad. This is what the Bible teaches. Are, we getting, are you getting what I'm saying? So, you have to understand the way to take the wealth in your spirit and make it applicable. That's why it looks like 
even in the body of Christ, for instance, the level of impact of a church is not always directly proportional to the depth of the spirituality of the settlement. And that's why a lot of people beef. You just see someone like my thought, he has never, I don't think I've seen him pray for the sick and the sick got healed. And he's preaching sermons and you with your old time SU religion, you're wondering, is this guy serious? David, David, you know. And whether you like it or not, his impact is felt. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to validate everything that he does, but he's doing some things well, right? So why is it that some people with depth of revelation, healing gifts, don't have half as much impact? And don't say it's because he's compromising. Listen, the original is meant to have more impact than the fake. If you think what he's doing is fake. Are you getting what I'm saying? If what he's doing is wrong, your own is supposed to show more. Yours is supposed to show more. Let me give you another example. No matter your criticisms of the Catholic Church, of their theology, of their extremes, and of all some of their practices, you cannot mention one charismatic movement that can stand beside them in order and posterity. Not one. Most charismatic movements never last beyond the generation. Am I saying the truth or not? Because it takes more than depth of spirituality to have lasting impact. This is what the body of Christ needs to learn. That despite the depth of your spirituality, there are two important things you must learn. And I'm going to talk about just one, but I want to mention the two. The first is order. It is good to be charismatic and dynamic. You just rise up the Lord said, go to this city. You know, you just hold a great crusade there and a lot of people are blessed, lives are transformed. But if that work will last, you have to establish a structure. There has to be a system. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because you have to understand the people who are coming to benefit from your ministry are not dummies. They know how things ought to be done. And so if they come and they don't see structure, they will not stay. And they will acknowledge the grace on your life how you heal the sick and all of that, but they will make your ministry a hospital. They will come only when they have problems. And when it comes to growing, they will go to... Have you seen people who are very deep and are in some churches and you wonder why? And I'm not justifying what they are doing, but people are just programmed to pick order. Order. The second thing, which is what I want to talk about, it's just courage and audacity. It takes courage. Some people are so spiritual, but their minds are so small. So small. So the reservoir is a mighty ocean. But the tap, the outlet is very small. It can only take a drop at a time. So what day is the benefit of the size of the reservoir? Are you getting what I'm saying? This is the problem many people have. If you are not courageous, God cannot work with you. And that's why a sermon like this is not motivational speech. Teaching people courage is one of the deepest spiritual things a pastor can do. So I know that a lot of motivational speakers can try to do what I'm doing and try to get you to start that business you've been saying you will start since secondary school. But you have to understand, it's a deep spiritual God took virtually every man of God he worked with through this school of the mind, helping their mentality. He calls the young Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the, your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah protested, he said, I'm a child. He said, don't say you are a child. That's mind programming, are you with me? Don't talk like that. Don't say you are a child. He says, I have ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Don't say you are a child. Don't say you are too young. Don't call yourself disqualified. Why does God need to program the minds of the people he wants to use? Because guess what? The mind is the canvas of faith. 
if God is going to achieve anything through people, he must walk through their minds. And if they don't have the right mentality, they will limit him. It doesn't matter the destiny on your life. It is limited to how much capacity your mind can conceive. You can li listen. One of the most profound statements in the entire Bible is this. He said, the spirit of a prophet is subject to the who? Meaning, I can stop. I can hinder the move of the spirit in my life. That as limitless as the spirit is, he said, the spirit can be quenched. Quench not the spirit. Haven't you read that before? Quench not the spirit. You quench the spirit through doubt, through hesitation, and all of that. So, you can have a great destiny. When God called me in the university, there were many other young people he called to. Not many of them are doing what God called them to do. Because it's tough out there. I'm not going to lie to you. As at 2015, my salary was still 50k. Are you listening to me? It's not, it's not easy. And you know, God wants to build something big through you, but it's going to take time. And it looks like your, your mates are having, you know, they just landed big jobs. They have cars, and it looks like you are slow. And every time you see them, it looks like you don't know what you're doing with your life. And it takes discipline. 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 Maybe you are here. The vision that God has given you, you will have to resign your job. I remember myself in that office trying to mind my business and the Lord said to me, you will resign today. Aha! See, not one chance. Thank God for an understanding wife. One month into marriage, you want to resign. Hey, did you bring me here to trap me? <laughs> Come and see. We thought we were not as compatible as we thought the first day of marriage. It was money and we were broke. <laughs> but all our arguments was money. Those arguments are gone now. <laughs> you see? Because there are some demands that will annoy you. Say, honey, we need conflicts. What do you mean conflicts? Everything they provoke. <laughs> Forget I've been there. <laughs> Everything. Most of our aquarius money related. Money. The moment she wants to start saying we need, we need, I'm already aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> was doing a job 10,000 by the time you move 10,000 <laughs> that's when oh my god hallelujah are you with me you have to learn to handle fear in your life handle that fear like I said, no matter how great the destiny on your life is, if you don't handle that fear, it will limit you. And so, we called the title of the sermon, Hell of Fear. And we did that for a reason. <laughs> Listen, there is a science of fear. You have to understand how fear works. There is a part of our brain from which fear is wired to pass through our mind. What I'm saying is proven clinically. And guess what? That part of our brain is important. And that system is important. It's for our protection. There's a reason when, why when you look down from a high rise, you feel what you feel. Because your mind is trying to protect you that there is danger. Don't move any further. When you stand at the cliff. So it is a primitive protective measure. The only problem and limitation is this, that that system cannot identify when risk is good and when risk is bad. Not all risks are bad. Because to improve, you must face risk. 
Look at a child learning to walk. Even after their legs are strong, their mind needs to be strong. Because the one who keep telling her or him, you can do it. And the child is just, you know, and you have to be brave, you know, to lift the child for a bit. Allow the child try and, you know, stumble and fall and all of that. And it's good, it's part of the process. The child will keep falling. But guess what? The child will eventually learn to walk if it does not stop trying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, what happens is not that the fear dissipates. It's just that we get brave. This is how to handle fear. That fear is only a mechanism to show us the experience that we lack. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a lack of experience. You might hate exams, but if you know that what they were going to ask you is to write one to hundred, you will not be afraid. So that means your fear is not exam. Do you understand? What fear reveals in your life is lack of experience. And that is why the small opportunities you have in your life, if you ignore them, you are, you are going to jettison bigger opportunities waiting for you. Because it is in interpreting dreams in prison that you get the confidence to stand before Pharaoh and interpret his dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's why you must, hey, that's why we said hello fear. You must approach the fear. With baby steps, start small. Start small. Let me give you another example. Driving. How did you feel the first time you entered an express? You, you felt it's over. You know, I remember teaching my wife to drive. She'll be on this lane. Maybe on the opposite lane. I mean, I'm talking about the white road that has, you know, pavement and then there's another road. People are minding their business. A trailer is passing and she'll be shouting, hey! <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? She said, the trailer is too close to me. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. The trailer will be five meters away. It's just normal. And then when you are driving, and the person teaching you to drive says, look at your rear mirror. You're like, rear mirror. <laughs> am, I, am I supposed to be moving forward and looking at my rear mirror? <laughs> Side mirror, all those things. You look like, especially those of you who learned in manual. When they say, remove your left from clutch and be pressing, <laughs> you know. That thing is the weirdest. I'm glad we are done with that. That technology is useless. Some of you will never try that. Uh, calm down, you know? Just play. Very useless technology. I'm just, and I'm like, I'm doing it now. You say I should raise this one, press this one, and the guy is jumping. Boom. I am like, what is going on? And now, just think about how conscious you are doing everything. Imagine when you are learning to drive and it says, help us increase the volume of the radio. <laughs> volume. Let me ask you this. Have you ever psychologically reduced the volume of the radio so you can see where? <laughs> you see, there, there is a mechanism to these things. <laughs> You can see me. This is distracting my eyesight. You know? you know? But now, you're not even conscious of all those things. When you need to look at the rear mirror, you look at it. When you need to look at the side mirror, and you can do all of that, now you even drive with one hand. Yes. What happened? As you continued, you just kept at it. You have to keep at it. You have to keep, take baby steps. That's what, the most important thing is that you challenge yourself. This year, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Did you hear what I said? Challenge yourself. That's the only way to get better. You have to challenge, come out of your comfort zone. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but the more you do it, you know, I was illustrating this when I was teaching. 
years ago, and I called someone out. You know, just sometimes, even by calling people out, they're so fidgeting. And that's that part of your brain responding. It ignores, I mean, it is afraid of attention, anything that gets attention. That's why when, they, when you are in class, many times, what the lecturer, the question the lecturer is asking, you know the answer, but you won't raise your hand. Those small wins, start practicing them, raise your hand in that class. Learn to speak up. When you have small wins, it's inspiring. It increases your enthusiasm of the future. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what you have to do. So like I said, fear is not bad. Learn to use it properly. Can I tell you something? Choose your fear wisely. You have to choose your fear wisely. Choose your fear wisely. Let me tell you something greater to be scared of. It is standing before Jesus and realizing that he gave you more to accomplish than you accomplished. That's a greater fear. Can I tell you something? Consider your fear properly and choose wisely. So maybe um, you are afraid to start. You are afraid of failure. You are afraid of the opinions of men. How about you be more concerned about the opinion of God? How about you be more concerned about being bored with the thought all your life? Of what it would have been like if only you tried. What if I just tried and it worked? I'm telling you, obeying God and coming to Abuja changed my life. And listen, it's, it's smaller obedience that gives you the audacity for bigger ones. You have to start first facing the lion and the bear before you get to face Goliath. The lion and the bear, you face the lion and the bear just to preserve your family your family's livelihood. But when you're facing Goliath, the whole nation is depending on you. Are you getting the difference? So you have to start practicing in the comfort of your room. That's where the practice takes place. Many people just want to rush to the big stage. That's not how to start. Start when no one is watching. Start when two people are watching. Start when five people are watching. He says, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. Do your best and give the rest to God. Practice well. I remember years ago, I was asked to lead opening prayer for five minutes. I prepared for hours. Did you hear what I said? Five minutes. I did not sleep. I rehearsed everything. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. You know, and the rest, the poor, the response, I rehearsed it. And it is those small steps of faithfulness that God will not. Hallelujah. I'm going to read two texts and then we close. Hallelujah. What is the chorus of the song you guys sang? Can you pick this? Can you pick the mic? I just sing it. The chorus of the song. I really like, you know, something shakes when I speak, right? You know the words. Just the chorus. I want you to project the lyrics. I want you all to just sing it together and then we move on. Just put it on him. Put, put the mic for him so that. Uh, Glory to God. Come on, I said glory to God. Now, whilst we are getting ready, I'll tell you when to sing. In 2 Kings chapter 7, the Bible tells us something. And this is the challenge I want to pose to all of you here. The Bible tells us that four lepers were sitting at the gates. Sitting at the gates. 
they would usually sit there to beg arms. But now, the city is so ravaged by famine that no one has anything to give. And they're there stranded. Across the hills, there is another country, Syria. Syria is their enemy. If they go there, Syria might kill them or let them leave. There's a probability, it's a 50-50 chance. But if they stay at the gate, they will die. If they go into the city, they will die because there's a famine. No one has anything to offer them there. And they said, even if it's a 50% chance at survival, let's go to Syria. Hallelujah. This year, take the right chances. And I will tell you why it is very important. Because can I tell you something? The anointing only works for the brave. Did you hear what I said? It only works for the That's why when God wants to send a man, he will take whatever he needs to do to prepare the mind of the man he will do. If he needs to set a bush on fire without the bush being consumed, to get the man's attention, if he needs to take him in the cool of the night to scout the stars, to see if he can number them, to give him a picture of how great the work he's going to run through you will be. He's going to do that because guess what? Miracles will only work for the brave. Can I tell you something? Provision was never going to meet those lepers at the gates. They might have been praying. Oh God, if one day someone will remember us and favor will just come and meet us here. It was not going to happen. They had to take chances and say, let us walk to Syria. It's a 50% chance, but let's try. And guess what? As they were walking, the Syrians heard something else. God amplified the sound of their footsteps. And instead of four lepers who barely have enough energy to even go by, they heard the sound of a great army and their chariots charging towards them. And so they ran, they fled, they left all their possessions and left. But guess what? That miracle only happened because they took steps. Did you hear what I said? Because guess what? You don't walk on water in the boat. You won't walk on water in the boat. If you're going to walk on water, you're going to have to stand up from where you're seated. You're going to have to walk to the edge of the boat. Put your leg out. The miracle will only begin when your action has already been demonstrated. You have to take action this year. Take action. By the end of this year, I would rather you failed than you didn't try. I would rather you failed than you didn't try. Because can I tell you something? Even your failure has commercial value. People will pay for that research information. And someone wants to learn how things does not work. How not to do it. How, you know, how not to do it. That information is valuable. Hallelujah. God said it's a year of impact. Believe it. Set goals. Believe all that God has said. Throw yourself into it. And let God do the rest. Is that simple? Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to try? Ah, just try. Just try. Sing that song, go ahead. You are my champion, giant when you stand on the feet. Every battle you've won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence, I'm seated. In the heavenly place undefeated. He has crowned you with confidence. Do you believe that? He has crowned you with confidence. You know, he told Joshua, he said, Be strong and very courageous. 
Be strong and very courageous. This year, can you say that? Say this year, I am strong and I am very courageous. Say it again. Say this year, I am strong and I am very courageous. He tells you why. He said, because the Lord is with you everywhere you go. The Lord is with you. It must make a difference that the Lord is with you. Only be strong and very courageous. Take action. He said, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall starts crashing down. You have to do something. You have to be audacious. Talk gold. Talk confidently. And take actions. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the year of light. The year of impact. The year of distinction. The year of integrity. And thank you because as individuals in this church, this is the testimony of our lives. You've given us audacity. And as we take steps, we see miracles. We take steps and we see miracles. You know what the Lord showed me weeks ago? Paul said, I went to Troas. In a place named Troas. He says, and a door of utterance was opened unto me there. You don't get what I just said. A door. Many people think that the supernatural opportunity will surface first. But he went out of responsibility and found a city waiting. Did you hear what I said? He went out of responsibility and found a city waiting. This year, take responsibility. Are you ready for that? You know, boldness is not just mental preparation. Mental assertiveness. It's also an impartation of the spirit. The Bible says, as they prayed, the place where they were was shaken. And they were filled with the spirit and with boldness. Let this be an impartation of boldness for you. You are leaving this place with audacity to do all that God has called you to do. In the name of Jesus. Strength is infused to your spirit. Every, every distraction, every discouragement is crashing down. You leave this place with a fresh zest, a fresh enthusiasm to do more with your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Paul said, I press towards the mark of the price of the high calling. Meaning there is a curriculum. There is a standard in God. He has expectations for your life. You are not to live as if um, there is no sense of urgency. There is no divine template for your life. He said, I press towards the mark. Your friends may be clapping for you. Because what you are doing meets all the standards in your village. But there is a mark, there is a requirement in God. Not based on what is popular, but according to the destiny on your life. At the end of this year, you'll be able to say, like Paul, that you pressed on. You pressed on. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are past. And reaching out to the things that are in the future. I press on. It's time to press. Listen, God has made you strong. You can march on. No matter the discouragements of the past, you can march on. No matter the disappointments of the past, you march on. No matter what you've lost, you enter into a season of compensation. Thank you, Father. Glory be to God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank 
you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.